0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Listen, we're we're carrying on from Ezra into Nehemiah. Okay, so what we've heard already over the last few weeks is Ezra was reforming the nation of Israel. They come out of exile. Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls. Okay, so the temple has been rebuilt. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit today about what does it mean for God to rebuild walls in our lives. And the fact is, everybody gets to build something in the kingdom of God. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a part to play. And God, as, as Stevie was saying there, I want you to receive this for the start of this message, just that He is willing to speak into your life this morning. He's willing to give you responsibility to build something, to create something. He's still got a plan for your life. So no matter where you're at today, no matter where you think you're at, because that's key, do we ever really know where we're at? God has something for you, responsibility, blessing, and his goodness, okay? So hold that what Stevie's just said. He's absolutely willing to move in your life. So the book of Nehemiah is set in He is part of the third wave of exiles coming back to Jerusalem. So they've done in three stages. The temple's been built and 70 years have passed from the the, the coming back from exile and then the temple has been built but the ruins haven't been restored of the walls. Nehemiah is burdened by the news that Jerusalem's walls are in complete ruins. He's burdened and he seeks permission from the king of Persia because he was there. He'd been raised up. In Persia, in Babylon, he'd been raised up to be a cupbearer. And he said that, I'm burdened by this news. I've got to go and rebuild these walls. He's in a senior position, and he obtains favor to go and rebuild them. And he is sent with letters from the king to enter the territory of Jerusalem. And the story itself is It's very dramatic, actually. It's an emotive story in Nehemiah, very different to the story of Ezra. It's about how God works through his people despite opposition, despite difficulty, despite trial, despite adversity, how he continues to work in that and how everybody plays a part. It's a dramatic story of God not just rebuilding his territory, but rebuilding his people and rebuilding something in their hearts which binds them together for what he's promising, which eventually is Jesus coming. So walls are really important. In Jerusalem, in biblical times, walls are significant. Walls are about protection. They're about building something up in your life that keeps things that aren't healthy out, but sometimes they're about protecting what has happened within. So this was about protecting the temple around, protecting God's presence that they had already built. So walls are really significant. Walls are your defense. In this time in Jerusalem, it's about city boundaries. Whenever Jerusalem didn't have walls, they weren't protected from trouble. They weren't protected from bandits. They weren't protected from other people. They weren't protected. Nobody could know. The Jews couldn't know who was coming in, who was coming out. That's what, why walls are so significant in the Bible. With city walls, when they eventually had them, they had protection from trouble. See, how you deal with trouble is a test of your strength, How you deal with adversity, how you deal with people coming in, speaking into your life, it's it's an indication of how strong you are. And this is why God said it's so important for Israel's walls to be rebuilt, to protect what he had started in their lives. Your walls will determine your strength. We build up walls all of the time in our own hearts. We build things in life. We build relationships. We build careers. We build family. We build emotional walls And sometimes, despite our history, sometimes despite what we've gone through, we actually create unhealthy walls in our hearts as well. Self-protection, self-preservation. Because of my history, because of my difficulty, I'm not sure I can go back to that area. I'm not sure I can see God build something there anymore. So sometimes we create unhealthy walls. But walls are significant because walls protect the things that are yours, don't they? They protect the things that belong to you. We recently had a trip to Croatia, Lauren and I, as I like to call it, just a missions trip really. We were absolutely on a mission to relax and enjoy ourselves. So we were in Croatia and we did a day trip to Dubrovnik. And whoever has been to Dubrovnik, if you haven't, I would say go to Dubrovnik. It has these massive city walls, which are incredible, built over a 500-year period. Amazing just to see how Croatia, at the time they were another nation, but how they defended themselves. And any, like, I don't know if you're allowed to admit this in church, but any, like, Game of Thrones fans in here? Nobody's going to admit it, are you, really? But a couple, a couple. Well, so the the taxi driver was telling us, oh, Dubrovnik, you know, Game of Thrones was filmed here. And all of a sudden, I started to get a wee bit defensive. I was a wee bit like, I mate, but it was filmed in Northern Ireland, clearly, right? So, and he was like, oh, the chunk of Game of Thrones filmed here in Dubrovnik. And all of a sudden, I, I've never even seen Game of Thrones, was like, no, mate, like, no, 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 Northern Ireland is where it's built, like, I was like, walls, you should see our walls, they're actually incredible, bricks, mortar, no, we've got barbed wire, we've got everything, you should see it, but the reality is, like, you, you protect that which is yours, right, I was like, I don't care how nice Croatia is, like, Northern Ireland's where it's at, mate, so, all of a sudden, I got really defensive, do you know, and, like, I've never seen it, never seen the show at all, although I have heard my ex-girlfriends in it, that's all I'm saying, somebody did tell me that, I know, I know, crazy, crazy, I probably shouldn't admit that, but (laughs) walls are really important, and you want to protect that which is yours, for Nehemiah, it was about protecting the glory of God, it was about protecting his name, and it was about protecting his people, this was more than just about bricks and mortar. This was about the issue deep down inside, because when you don't have walls, when you're not protected, the Jews, Israel, were living in embarrassment. They were living in fear. When you don't have protection, when you don't have walls around you, you live as a defeated people. And this was Israel living in defeat. Their temple was rebuilt. It had been restored, but they were still living defeated. And it's significant because God wants to rebuild that in his people. And he wants to rebuild that in some of you today. He's restored your life. He's saved you. He's blessed you. But sometimes we live defeated in life. Sometimes in certain circumstances, we live defeated. And it's God's heart for you. The the temple had been rebuilt. It's then God's heart to rebuild something in your heart to accomplish, to overcome, to deal with opposition. So God is saying to you this morning that you have got to protect that which he's built in your life. The temple's been built. You've got to protect your life around the finished work of Jesus, around the presence of God. That's what he's saying. It's God's heart for you this morning that he wants to fortify your mind, fortify your heart, that you can deal with the opposition. So as I say, we build up those walls, and often because of our history, we build up unhealthy coping mechanisms, unhealthy walls. But God wants to Deal with the root issue in your life to strengthen you, to restore you, to remind you of his purpose, to remind you of his promises over your life, and to speak to the root issue, which is about shame and fear. He wants to speak right into that today, so we don't live as a defeated people. Amen? That's what he has for you. So let's, we'll launch in here to Nehemiah 1, and this is Nehemiah's response to when he hears about the, the circumstances. It says in verse one, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, whilst I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers came from Judah with other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel." Now Nehemiah launches into a prayer about how they've been wayward in their ways, they're no longer following God, but he reminds God of his covenant promise to Israel. That is, when we're not following you, we're scattered. But when our eyes are fixed on you, you bring us back together. So he reminds God of his covenant. Yes, he reminds he reminds himself that we have sinned. This is why we're in this situation. But he reminds God of his covenant. And then Nehemiah, the context is he's burdened, he's gripped to go and rebuild the walls. He gets this terrible report that they're in ruin, that they're in disgrace, that they're in reproach, that they're living in fear. And he decides that it's on him with the strength of God to go and rebuild something. Nehemiah had faith that he could believe that God could correct a 150-year problem they had been in exile for 70, 80 years and then after that, the temple ruins 70, 80 years, lying there, not rebuilt. He had faith to believe that God could fix a 150-year problem through him. This wasn't like a wee side project. Like it wasn't like just like a wee task that he had on the side. This wasn't like a little side hustle that he did in his, in, after his day job. This was a full-on commitment and project that was far bigger than him. And nobody had attempted it for 70 years since the temple had been rebuilt. See, faith in God and faith in what he can do, it believes and expects for the impossible. Faith believes and expects for the impossible. Nehemiah was burdened to the point of where he said, I don't know how that's going to work out, physically speaking, logically speaking, but I know God can do it. So whenever you're burdened by something, God is calling you to live for something bigger than yourself to live for something outside of just me, myself, and I. Because Nehemiah had a little cushy job as well. I didn't say a cushy job, but he was a cupbearer. He raised up, quite in a high position, would have experienced leadership, would have been around the king. And he had faith to believe that he could live for something greater in himself. God must build something inside you before he builds something through you. It has got to be based on a foundation of what God's done in here before you can accomplish anything for God, it has to be birthed in here. And that's why Nehemiah was completely gripped by this. The work of God, what he does in your heart, is much more significant than what he's going to do through you. So that's what God was saying. Stevie was saying God's willing. He's willing to work in here with whatever you've got going on to then allow you to be used for God's glory, for his kingdom. So God calls you to live for something greater than yourself. Nehemiah was gripped by the state of Jerusalem, absolutely gripped by it, moved in his heart before he was moved to action, and at the beginning he saw the need, but then he prays, and he prays for four months before he even goes to the king and asks for permission. Anyone know how long the wall took to rebuild? Less than two months, but he prayed for four months before it happened. What God wants to do in here is greater and of more significance than what you do out there, folks. What's in here is way more significant. Think of a car showroom where you go and see incredible looking cars, look beautiful. Those who love cars, all things look brilliant. New cars, they're fresh, incredible showroom. Has anybody ever seen car manufacturing plants? What they look like? They are whole cities that have hospitals in them for the workers, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. They are centers for innovation, where these cars that you see, new cars, fresh, they look amazing, but see where they're built. See where things are unseen. They're grander, greater, and more technologically advanced than where you actually see the car. God wants to build something in here more meaningful, deeper, more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like more significant in your heart, than actually what you do out here. Anything you've got going on in your heart, any situation that you're facing, any opposition, any difficulty, any circumstance has got to be tackled with a foundation of prayer in here, of God speaking into your heart. The things that are seen need to be as an overflow of what God's doing in here, okay, with what he's speaking to you. So I wanna challenge you, what grips you? What has God placed on your heart? What situation, what circumstance? Because see where you're passionate, whether positively passionate about it or negatively affected by it, wherever you're passionate, that's an indication of where God wants to work today. Whatever's going on in your heart, that's where he says, I can move in that area. Whenever you find yourself in prayer, like Nehemiah did for four months, whatever comes up in those moments with God, whether it's family, career, circumstances, finances, health, whatever comes up passionately, positively, negatively, that's where God can work. And he says, "That's where I can move, and I'm willing to move." What you're passionate about in your heart will indicate where God can build in your life. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." Now the NIV is that where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Folks, you've got to find something that's bigger than yourself where faith can be activated to believe for the impossible. As was prayed by Stephen as well during the worship, God can accomplish way more than you can ever ask or imagine. Way more than you can ever ask or imagine. But you know that's not going to be possible if we've always got our eyes fixed on me, myself and I and my situation and nothing else that's going on around me. We have got to live up and live for something more meaningful than just me and my stuff. Me and my stuff's pretty important, sure, it is, absolutely. And we can struggle to get past me and my stuff on a good day. But what God wants to do through you has got to be birthed in what he's done in here first. And he's got more than you can ask or imagine for you, folks. Grace upon grace, glory upon glory, where you can be a blessing through you to experience all of his benefits so that the world can see. That's the story of Nehemiah, where he wants to rebuild something in your life. So where there's no vision, the people perish. But actually what it is, is... When people cast off restraint when they don't have a revelation of God in their lives. It's like a story of my life. If I don't have the word of God at the center of my life, we we paraphrase here, I'm just a wee bit mad. Like, do you know, if, like, if I don't have the word of God in my life, if I'm not focusing and fixing my eyes on him, people just run a little bit wild, don't they? Whenever they've not got a fresh revelation of who God is. It's a story of my life, as Lauren would tell you. I'm like, just, just a little bit mad when I'm not fixing my eyes on Jesus. And that word, cast off restraint, It's actually the same word whenever the golden calf was built. Uh, Whenever Moses up on the mountain and the Israelites are just going a wee bit mad on the ground making a golden calf. And Aaron's like, I don't know what happened. They just like threw gold in a fire and then all of a sudden there's a golden calf. Who knew? Like that's, people are just a bit mad whenever the word of God's not in their life. So Nehemiah had centred what God had put on his heart based on who God was. He prayed, because of how great you are, because of your covenant God, That's how and why you can move in my life. So Nehemiah 2, he goes to inspect the walls and he goes down with the the permission of the king to inspect and to see what God wants him to do. And in Nehemiah 2, he goes to the Jewish people and he says, you see the trouble that we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let's start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Samballat the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you you will have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. So he goes to his fellow Jews and he says, we're rebuilding this wall. And he says that we will no longer be a disgrace, that we will no longer be a reproach, that we will no longer suffer derision is another translation. This was more than just about physical walls and stone. See, grace will deal with the root issue in your life Jesus sets to rebuild areas in your life where you've suffered derision where you have been a reproach to circumstances to people where you have suffered fear where you've experienced anxiety Jesus says I'm going right to the root here this is not just about you know feeling protected this is about the root issue of your hearts this morning and Jesus comes to you and says like Nehemiah came to the Jews and says let's do a little bit of rebuilding today Let's rebuilding how you view yourself. Let's rebuild so that how other people will see you, but rebuild the root issue of shame and fear. We've all experienced shame, we've all experienced fear, we've all experienced circumstances that in our history, the same way the Jews had experienced circumstances in their history that had affected them. And Nehemiah offers a fresh revelation that God is your protector. And he comes to restore something in your life today. He offers that fresh revelation where there's been fear, where there's been disgrace and shame. Jesus says to you, you can rebuild. Those unhealthy walls that we put up because of our experiences, those unhealthy walls we've put up because of our circumstances, we feel we've got to cope with them, we've got to build something. Jesus says, let them down and let me rebuild something in your heart today. See, Jesus could have started a transformative work in your life, and he has when you came to Christ. He has started transforming you. But as long as you don't protect that, and as long as you don't build on that, you will constantly, like the Jews, you'll not know who's coming in and out of your life. You'll not know who's speaking in your life, you'll not know who the dominant voice is. Protect what God has built in your life, folks, the gifts that he's given you. Nehemiah had a task which was to secure that which God had restored. God has restored your heart when you came to Christ. It's completely brand new. God says, secure it around it. Secure my work around it. Secure who I am around it. And let me be the dominant voice. See, that's what Nehemiah does here. Sanballat and uh, the other boy, they are not good figures. And we will see throughout Nehemiah in the next week. We'll talk a little bit about opposition. You will have people will speak into your life. Figures of authority will speak into your life and they'll tell you, no, look at this way. Lead your life like this. This is how you live your life. They'll mock you, they'll ridicule you and they'll come against you. Has anybody ever had God do something in your life and then like immediately after, there's like discouragement, there's difficulty, there's circumstances you didn't understand. Anybody? I've got one hand at the back. I've now several hands. Yes, this is the reality. Anytime God births something in you, you will have opposition, will come against If you're experiencing opposition in your life, let me encourage you, you're right where God wants you to be. You're right where he needs you to be because that's where the enemy is is afraid that you're going to do something for God, that God's going to work through your heart. You will experience opposition. Nehemiah's response is, is actually quite incredible. As I said at the start, he had the blessing of the king in Persia. He'd been sent with letters to go and do the work. But here's Sanballat and his wee mates. What they do is they say, are you rebelling against the king? Nehemiah actually had the letters to say, no, I'm not. But his response was not a natural response. He could have defended himself and said, no, look, I've got the letters here. I'm I'm absolutely doing what's right. The king has given me permission. But Nehemiah's response was the God of heaven will give me success. The God of heaven will give me success. My success is not based on any permission I've been given from a natural source. Don't have a natural solution to a supernatural problem, okay? Have a a supernatural response, which is no matter what I'm going through, no matter whether I feel like I should be here or not, the God of heaven will give me success in this situation. Amen? The God of heaven will give you success in your situation. Whatever circumstance you're dealing with, he will be glorified. Even if you feel like I should be here, I've got my own strength, I've got my own permission, God says have a supernatural response to supernatural problems because the enemy will try and derail your purpose. He will try and derail what God has got in your life. Don't use a natural solution for a supernatural issue. This was about asserting authority. The authority figures trying to assert their authority over Nehemiah, over what he had done. But Nehemiah, again, just points to God, my success. He is supreme authority in my life. And you know, some of you in the circumstances that we have been experiencing, we often get our eyes off that. Everything is spiritual, folks. Every situation you're involved in, it's spiritual. And what we often do is we look for our natural resources to help us when actually we're dealing with supernatural issues principalities and powers and Jesus is supreme authority over all of them folks over every situation over every difficulty keep your eyes up no matter what resources you feel like you have no matter if you're relying on your own strength the God of heaven will give you success against your enemies amen so his response is not to defend himself even though he had a legitimate right to defend himself Sometimes we're a little bit like that, but God, I don't deserve this, but God, I've earned that the situation will be a little bit better. I've, I've done good. I've been doing well in my life. Therefore, this shouldn't be happening. The God of heaven will give you success. Fix your eyes back on what he has said to you. That's where your success comes from. When we were on our mission trip in Croatia, we had a, a wonderful steak dinner in, uh, in the hotel. And I had a T-bone steak. I mean, those who love steak, T-bone steak. This is amazing, right? So, but Lauren has this like um, spiritual gift. I would call it of um, discernment. And the spiritual gift would be knowing when I've done something wrong. And like, so <laughs> it's incredible when it comes out at the right time. Like just whenever like you're eating steak, you know? And I don't know what. Like I was listening to some other guy. And he was he was just talking nonsense, okay. But Lauren was talking to me, and at the point, her spiritual gift, the prophetic word, came to her, and she was just talking about how selfish I can be, Do you know, just how I'm utterly selfish. As I was just trying to tuck into my steak, I mean, a T-bone steak. I haven't had a T-bone steak before, and all of a sudden, I'm finding myself that I'm really selfish. But I'm just trying to enjoy this steak. So it was actually probably the worst timing. But Lauren's, the, the spirit was moving, and you know, the, the gift came out of Lauren, and she started to speak. But you know what the incredible thing was? I was listening to some American guy. Lauren's like here behind me, right? Now, if you're American and have any American ties, I'm really sorry about that. But this guy behind me talking to his date, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing as Lauren was prophesying into my life. He was saying to his date because I'm just so successful. Like he was talking about how he's just so great in his life. And he said it twice as she was trying to like develop and build a relationship with him. Do you know, he's just like, because I'm so successful, just I'm so successful. And then she challenged him and said like, you never take, you never take any advice from me. And then and he said, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, are you serious me? He said, because my ideas are just better, <laughs> right? Meanwhile, the prophetess over here is prophesying. You're just so selfish. You're, I'm thinking, I think you've got the wrong prophetic words for this guy. I, I felt like, do you like grabbing them both together and say, would you, would you just have a date with her? That would be so much better. But he was talking about success comes from me and me alone. Success comes from the things I care about. And do you know what I thought? I've never heard of you, mate. So actually, you're not that successful. Within your bubble, within your sphere, you think you're successful. You think that's where worldly success comes from, where all good things come from what you've created. But you know what the reality is, folks? Success doesn't come from what you create. It comes from what God has put inside of you and what he wants to develop in you and what he's gifted you for and what he's put you in a position for. And this is what we're going to see in this story. At the right time, Nehemiah was positioned for purpose. The circumstances, everything had built up to this moment where he can be blessed and used by God. So see if you're encouraging, if you're encountering opposition, folks, you are in the right place. God has put you exactly where you want to be, to be used by him. And the God of heaven will give you success. The God of heaven will work in your life. Amen. But I couldn't believe it, your man. Like, seriously, I was like, is he having a laugh? Like, I felt like just apologizing there. I'm so sorry, he's, he's in Egypt. But I couldn't because I had to listen to the prophetic word. So, like, just amazing. You are positioned for purpose, folks. See, the reality is when Nehemiah, he inspected the walls, he came to his fellow Jews, and then they started building. No matter what the other people were saying, no matter what the opposition. And in Nehemiah 3, this is incredible, they all did it not just the people who are builders. There were people who were government officials. There were people, perfumers were building the wall. There were people who were just normal family people, the mayor, goldsmiths. Everybody was involved in the work of God. Not one person left out. There was a position for everybody. Families built in front of their homes. They were building different spots identified by their communities. The reality is, see if you don't feel like you have anything to offer, you can be used by God today. If you don't feel like you've got it all together, if you don't feel like you're strong in this position, you're gifted for anything, God says no matter where you are, no matter what your life has been like, no matter where you've been, who you've been with, there is a place for you to build in what God's put in your heart. And they, build, they, they were building where they were called. Some of them built right in front of their families, right in front of their homes. They rebuilt the wall. There's a twofold thing with that. Whenever you're building something for God, automatically, he's rebuilding your family. Automatically, he's building your home. As you fix your eyes on Jesus, as you build around his finished work, because remember, the temple was at the center. They were building around the temple. They were building around what God had done. Anytime you're building for God, anytime you're doing something for him with your eyes fixed on him, he's rebuilding in here, and he's rebuilding your family. He's rebuilding your home, okay? He's rebuilding the things around you. Different people, different amounts, different sections, they built what was in front of them. Some of you don't like the positions that you're in. Some of you don't like the way life looks at for you, but God comes to you today and says, me, myself, and I is really important, but what's in front of you? Get building. Who's in front of you? Who's around you to bless, to strengthen, to encourage? God's saying, I've anointed you for a purpose, and as soon as you put your eyes on your own success and on your own things, you miss the point. God is saying, build for something greater in you. See, faith is not de- I feel this for someone actually. Faith is not determined by how successful your circumstances are. Faith is always in operation. Faith is always a gift that you can believe for the unexpected, believe for the impossible. Your circumstances don't determine how great faith is, folks. You can still have faith in the situation that God can turn it around. Okay, and I'll speak of this at the end, but the supernatural result was that it took them 52 days to build the wall, but nobody had attempted it for 70 years. What God can do, what, God, what people can't do in a lifetime, God can do in a season. Okay, will, I'll talk a little bit about that at the end. But there was a position for everybody. So if you feel you've counted yourself out, if you feel like you don't have it all together, 1 Corinthians 12 says this, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, we all suffer with it. If one part honors, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and every one of you has a part to play in it. Every one of you is open to what God wants to do. Everyone is open to his blessing, to his goodness, to his benefits. Every one of you has the same spirit that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead with that spirit lives in your heart today. So if you're in a situation where your eyes are down, you don't know what it's gonna look like, you don't know how it's gonna work out, remind yourself that someone is inside your heart living there and it's bigger than you. It's bigger than your situation. He has blessed you so that you can be a blessing. He's created you for a purpose. And if you don't know what that purpose is, reply the way Nehemiah did, the God of heaven will give me success. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know how it's gonna work out, but the God of heaven will give me success. That's what his word says. Now, there are two things in this Nehemiah 3 that it's just a list of names, what they built, how they built it, how far they built the wall. And like some of those chapters are hard to read, right? Because it's just detail after detail. But if you look very closely, there's always something for a reason. In verse five in chapter three, it says that the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles wouldn't put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The nobles of the people of Tekoa, they said, no, we're not doing it. Everybody has, everyone has an opportunity to build something for God, but not everybody will. Not everybody will put their shoulder to what God's spoken to them. People will be around your life who will discourage you. Authority figures in your life, people that are close to you and they will seek to discourage that which God's doing in your life. But you know what it then says? It says the people of Tekoa, their nobles wouldn't do the work, but then the people of Tekoa got two shots at it. And later on in the chapter, they did twice the work. You will have opportunity after opportunity, no matter the discouragement for God to bless you. It says in verse 11, and this is key for someone today, Malchijah son of Harim, he repaired another section. Now, this is the same Malkijah who in Ezra was named at the, the last chapter of Ezra for intermarrying with pagans. He was named and shamed for intermarrying with pagans. And then in the next book, he's building the wall 13 years later. Nothing discounts you from the work of grace no moral failure no difficulty in your life no trauma no history nothing that you've had to deal with that was difficult where you made a mess nothing discounts you from what God's put in you church nothing at all so these are the fine details that God says this is my grace and my grace is on your life and No matter the sin, no matter the mess, I've covered over it and I have responsibility for you where you can build, where you can create, where you can be blessed, where you can bless other people, where you have authority to deal with whatever opposition comes against you. He says, you're not counted out, church. Somebody needs to hear that. You're not counted out because of your history. You just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and he's there and he's right there with you. You're positioned for purpose, no matter your situation in your life. God has put you exactly where you need to be. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He'd experienced leadership with the king, and it's only because he was there in Persia that he was able to get permission from the king, letters from the king, authority from the king, to even be in Jerusalem. You're positioned for purpose. Some of you think, I'm just in my job to get paid. No, you're in your job for influence. You're in your job to experience God's goodness. You're in your job to be used by God, to be blessed by God, to then see him work in your life. And also you get paid for it as well. Well, I hope you do. So that's the reality. You're there for more than you think. Some of you think you're just coming here just to sit and have a good Sunday. You're here for more than you think. He wants to deposit in your life, to build something in you. So when you go out there, you're equipped the Holy Spirit in you to deal with whatever comes against you. It's more than just yourself. And as you start building for God, I want to encourage you, what's around you? What's your situation? Where do you need him to work? Because when you start building, when you start fixing your eyes on Jesus, you'll just feel better when you get started. You'll feel better when you start to just allow God to move through you and you keep your eyes fixed on where they need to be. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The key thing in the story of Nehemiah, and next week we will look at opposition and we'll look at specifically how you deal with opposition and the type of opposition, fear, manipulation. We'll look at that specifically. But the reality was, it's Yahweh. God himself calls you to build in your life. It's not that someone came to Nehemiah and said, this would be a good idea. God himself calls you to build. Nehemiah's name actually means Yahweh comforts. That's what his name means. And it's the only time in the Old Testament that it actually shows up. This story is a parallel with the Holy Spirit coming to you because what did Jesus call the Holy Spirit? The Comforter. The Comforter will come to you, build you up and restore in your life. This is parallels with what the Holy Spirit does. Nehemiah, Yahweh comforts, comes to rebuild your walls. The Holy Spirit comes to you to rebuild in your life, to restore, to refresh, to repair your heart, to repair your mind, to repair you from your history. That's what this story is about, where the Holy Spirit comes And when you have a situation, when you have people, relationships, walls that are there to be built, when you fix your eyes on Jesus and when you allow him to do it, as I just said, you will have supernatural results. 70 years, the temple was built, but the walls lay in complete ruin. And in total, it was a 150-year problem, and they did it in 52 days. What can't be done in a lifetime can be done in a season with God. Supernatural results. As I just said, faith is not out of operation just because the situation is difficult. Faith isn't negated. It's not that faith doesn't work just because the situation is not happening for me. God is always willing to do more than you can ever ask or imagine. But it starts with me saying, I'm going to rebuild some walls. Yes, God, come and work in my life. Break down the unhealthy walls in my life where I'm fixed my eyes on me, myself and I and I feel like I've got to build. Break that down and build something in me so that I can see you build around me. That's what this is about. Supernatural results. Psalm 127 says, "'Unless the Lord builds the house, "'the builders labour in vain. "'Unless the Lord watches over the city, "'the guards stand watch in vain.'" It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Some of you have been working at situations in your life, even in your jobs, even in your family, and it's anxious toil. Because you feel like it all rests on you. And I've got to work and I'm responsible for the outcome. I'm responsible for the outcome in my marriage, in my family, in my health, in my finances. And you're working and you're working and you're figuratively speaking, getting rest late and you're tired and you're burnt out. And God says, let me build in your life. Because if you're building on it, if it's on your work and on your accomplishment of what you think you can earn or what you think you deserve, That's a difficult one to sustain. And there's no way you'll get it done in 52 days. You'll drive yourself crazy, stressed out that it all depends on you. But God says, unless I build the house, you'll labor in vain. Unless I build the house. So let God work something in your heart. You will all have something in your heart that like Nehemiah, he was gripped by. Like what's gripping you in your heart? Because that's an indication of where God can work. You've got to have something gripping you. At the beginning of the story, Nehemiah's body was in Persia, but his heart was 800 miles away in Jerusalem. Some of you will be in a certain situation, but God's gripped you for something more and your heart is miles away because you see what you want him to do. You see by faith, that's where I want to rebuild. Some of you have dreams that have been quashed by people. Some of you have desires in your heart that you've not seen come to fruition and you think because it's not working out, because it's taking too long, 70 years was too long for some of the Jews and they daren't rebuild anything. Like Nehemiah, it starts with you saying, I'm going to rebuild that and God, you will give me success. Whatever has been put in your heart. As I finish, I want to just encourage some of you that God can build a new wall out of old stone. The stones hadn't been removed. They were burnt. They were rubble. But the only thing in the story of Nehemiah, and I don't have time to go through all the chapters, the only thing he requested from the king was timber for the gates, wood. He didn't request stone because the stones were already there. See, any situation you've been through, any history, any trauma, anything that's been rubble and put to the ground, God can rebuild a new wall in your life out of old stone. Out of old experiences, he can build on that so that you can see success, prosperity, provision. Some of you need that. My history doesn't count me out. God can turn it around for me and rebuild something in my life. He can build a new wall out of old stone. Some of you think your season's over. Some of you think that there is no more goodness of God left for you to experience. Even enduring exile was not enough to deter Nehemiah. Even enduring the fact he didn't live in Jerusalem, the fact that he was in captivity, the fact that he worked his way up in positions, it didn't deter him at all. The past experience, if it had been led by that, would have told him it's too big. It's too big a task for God to rebuild a wall that nobody's touched for 150 years, 70 after the temple. It would tell you it's too big. And your past experience tells some of you, I can't believe for that area again. I've been disappointed too much. There's no way I can believe, God, you're coming through for me. There's no way you can heal that. There's no way you can bless that. Nehemiah, all he did was say, I'll rebuild it. I don't know how it's going to be done. He then planned it, but there's no way he could have planned for 52 days. Anything God can do in you when you put your shoulder to the wheel, but fixing your eyes on Jesus, supernatural results, supernatural results. Every one of you has a purpose. Every single one of you. And God comes to you today and says, for too long, some of you have been restored on the inside, but living on the outside as defeated people. You are not a defeated people. No matter the opposition, and there will be opposition. We'll talk in detail about this next week of how you deal with that. God says, I have a purpose for your life. Some of you need to hear that because it's like a week after a week after a week, you come on a Sunday and you just don't know how this is gonna work out. God says, I have not forgotten you. I have, I have not forgotten you. I remember you. I remember your state. I remember your circumstance. And I ask you to let down the walls in your heart and let him rebuild something in your life. If we could just stand, guys, the worship guys, could come up, that would be great. I want to pray for you for just a a moment here. So if you just close your eyes. The story of Nehemiah is excellent. And I, I actually haven't been as captivated over a passage in a very long time. And two weeks is not enough. Trust me to go into all the detail about this. But you all have something to build in your life. You all have a situation, you all have circumstances, you all have gifts, you all have abilities, you all have things that God has put in your heart that he wants to use, that he wants to bless other people with, that he wants to bless you with. And for too long, some of you have lived defeated, thinking this is my lot. It'll never be rebuilt in my life. I'll never see success in that area. For some of you, God is just saying, start building build my house, build in my church, build where you are. Some of the communities, they just built where they were. They opened their front door and they just started to build. They built around their families, they built in their community. God has blessed you and says, I am not finished with you yet. For some of you, he's calling to rebuild the walls in your own heart, those self-protection, self-preservation. He's saying, let's rebuild and I can rebuild with old stone. Don't you worry about that. Don't you worry about the history. Don't you worry about the circumstances, the difficulties, the things that upset you. I can build with that. I can rebuild a new wall with that. For some of you, he's calling to rebuild you in your own home, in your relationships, in your own heart. For some of you, you'll feel a real call in your spirit of what he's spoken over you before about your future, your family, your gifts, your abilities, God saying again, I speak into you and let your response be the God of heaven will give me success. Not on my own resource, not on my own ability. The God of heaven will give me success. Father, I wanna thank you for your word. I wanna thank you, Jesus, that Nehemiah, Yahweh comforts, the comforter, the Holy Spirit comes to you this morning and says, I can restore in your life. I can rebuild in your life. I thank you for that, Jesus. I just pray right now for those things in people's hearts, those issues, people. I just pray, Holy Spirit, just start to rebuild. Speak peace over people. Even right now, some people's hearts only, well, what does that look like? What does that look like? The God of heaven will give me success. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're moving. I thank you that we all have something to build but well, we keep our eyes fixed on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to um, go into worship here as well. And during the last song of worship, uh, we'll um, take up the offering as well. Uh, as we always say, you will never hear about money in this church before you've heard about Jesus. That will never change. Um, but encourage you as well. Uh, give generously. I urge you to do that. Uh, God is your provider and he will not stop being your provider. Um, but during this last song as well, just respond to whatever's God's speaking in your heart and let the overflow, let those words come out uh, just in terms of what he's speaking to you, what he said over your life. Um, and at the very end after as well, if there's anything you want prayer for, there'll be three or four of us up here as well if you want prayer for anything. So yeah, let's worship.